Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shout now. Hallelujah. We're going to praise now. It's done now. Go on, Lord, do it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is not the end, it's just the beginning. He's just getting started. Why he chose us, I do not know, but he has. So we're just going to receive, we're going to shout, we're going to glorify him. We're going to celebrate with everybody that needs celebrated with. We're going to testify and shout on every testimony that comes up. We're going to, we're going to shout with them that are getting saved and those that are getting healed and those that are getting delivered. And we're going to do all these things been testified about tonight. But there's no reason to just go right on shouting him right now. We just need to go right on shouting and praising him and just... Uh, I, you couldn't preach no better than we're shouting right now. You couldn't... You couldn't teach no better than we're shouting right now. You, you couldn't get any closer than we are right now. We're shouting for the victory that's going on. The Lord is moving before us. He's doing mightily. He's doing valiantly. The best that we can do is just cheer Him on and praise Him on and glorify Him on and just let Him be God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Hey, hallelujah. Glory. 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 <laughs> you better keep praising him. You better keep worshiping him right now is what you better. You better just go ahead and do it and I'm just going to read this scripture to you while you're still shouting. You need to shout while I'm reading the scripture because there's two scriptures that the Lord spoke to my heart as we were getting ready to come in here and the things that were going on in this day, we've seen glory. You can't see a bigger miracle than salvation. It cannot happen. We've seen it. We saw the manifestation. Everybody talking about manifestation. Well, God manifested for us. And then... And then we, then we got to go see Miss Kim and we see more manifestation of the things that are going on. And God is doing it. He's doing it. We're not waiting no more. There's no more waiting for the manifestation. It's happening right before us. This became known both to all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling at Ephesus and fear fell on them all. Not fear I'm scared, but the awesomeness of God began to fall on them in Acts chapter 19 because of the things that were going on. And the Bible says in the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And that's what we're doing right now tonight. Somebody needs to shout right there. Hallelujah. Magnify his name. When you see the Lord begin to do the things that he said he would do, magnify his name. And many who had believed came confessing their deeds. Also many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of them all. And I remember just a few nights ago when we took authority over these demons that had the sickness locked up in their power and 
had all the fear locked up in their power and had the unsaved locked up in their power, but we bound them and broke them and took them down. That's what happens. We're now shouting and dancing and glorifying God, magnifying the name of Jesus because we have believed and brought together those things. And they counted up the value of them and the totaled 50,000 pieces of silver, but the price that they paid in the burning of their junk cannot compare to the price that you have paid for the last 21 services, burning the things of the devil and rejoicing and putting out your money and everything else that you have that you might rejoice in him. I want you to know there will never be a move of God without sacrificial giving of time and resources. And God said, what if you're going to give? Then I'm going to give too. And I ain't going to give me. So mightily grew the word of the Lord. And, but this morning, for the first time, you put hell on the run. He lost a sob about his being healed and mightily is growing the word of the Lord and prevailing. John was in the spirit of the Lord on the Lord's day on the Isle of Patmos. In Revelation chapter 5, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He began to see the vision of the things that God would reveal to him. The revelation of Jesus Christ. He came to a place where the Lord showed the scroll. There were seven seals upon the scroll. Things were about to be unleashed upon the earth in a time that is to come. But there wasn't anybody found that was worthy to loose the seals of the scroll. The Bible says, John said, so I wept much. <laughs> because no one was found worthy to open and to read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders... But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. Hey, my God. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. So mightily grew the word of the Lord and prevailed. Jesus' name was magnified. That will one day loose the seals upon this earth. Has loosed a seal of revival right here in the middle of us. And we need to shout. We need to praise him. We need to glorify him. There's nothing more that can be done. Except to magnify him. To let his name be magnified. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven 
and things on the earth and things under the earth. It literally means angelic beings and mankind upon the earth and demonic spirits under the earth must bow and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Hallelujah. I want you to know that that's what we've been doing right here tonight in this place is declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I don't know if God's going to do what He's going to do in a week or two weeks or one month or two years. But I can tell you this, He's just getting started. I don't know whether you go night by night, I don't know whether you go week by week, I don't know what you do, but whatever God puts in your heart, that's what you got to do. Because the one thing that I can tell you for certain is God's just getting started, He's not done. Oh, I know it's been a long time, 21 services. But you volunteered. You volunteered. No, no, you're not compelled into this because your mother's sickness, which is gone. You're not compelled into this because, you know, the church has had a little trouble, because it doesn't. You volunteered to let your heart pant after him. Like a deer pants after the water brooks. And God said, if you're going to pursue me, I'm going to pursue you. You ain't never been pursued. It's not just as the deer panteth after the water brooks, so your soul pants after God, but his heart so pants after you. <laughs> the thirsty deer, he pursues you for your praise and your worship and your glory. And while we're going to win souls, and we have, and we're going to see the sick healed, and we have, and we're going to see the dead raised, and we will, and all of those various things that's going to happen, the most important thing is that we're going to see Jesus glorified and magnified and His name lifted high. Because He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Someone said, Bishop, that was on the cross. Yeah, I know. That's where it started, but it's still going on right now. The cross is still standing. It's standing in your heart and in my heart. And it's our duty and our job to lift Him higher. Yes and to glorify Him and to praise Him. Everybody's looking now. Well, you know, you've accomplished what He wants. You've just come to the place where you've pressed in where the Lord's saying, I don't know, what do you want? Everybody looking at Jesus like, I don't know, Lord, what do you want? He's looking at you saying, I don't know, what do you want? Like a carload of hungry people trying to pick a restaurant. You're saying, Jesus, uh, what do you want? He says, I don't know, what do you want? We're giving him our praise, our worship, our adoration. You see, tonight we look at a church service and think, God, what are we supposed to do? Is the bishop supposed to preach? What are we supposed to do? But you see, God's already saved somebody. God's already in the process of healing. There's healing going on in Maryville right now. Just, just healing like the likes of which you've never seen in your life. What else will we do but just praise him? Why wouldn't we just, you know, you know, when the ball team is on the field and the offense has got the football, bless God. Everybody on the sideline just cheers them on. You ain't playing in the game. They're playing in the game. But you know what? They're depending on your cheering. They're depending on your excitement. I want you to know that our quarterback, Jesus, is on the field of offense. He's moving down the field, and all he really wants for us to do is get up on the sideline and make some noise. <laughs> Go ahead, Lord, heal. Go ahead, Lord, save. Go ahead, Lord, do it. I wouldn't know what else to ask him for tonight. I wouldn't know what to ask him to give you. He'd have to tell me what he wanted to do because I wouldn't know what to ask him for. He's already doing it.
He's already done it. He's prevailed. Do you understand that the breaking open of this revival is that we're prevailing? And now we're not fighting from down on the bottom. We're not uh, defending the goal. We're on offense for a change. Amen. We can score some points now. We're prevailing, you know. Huh? You don't win nothing defending. You've got to score some points. Amen. Hell went on defense this morning, and they're getting their proverbial butt kicked, and that's all there is to it. We're about ready to score and score some more and score some more. <laughs> hey, my God. So let's just cheer him on. Have you lost your shout already? Have you lost your dance already? You know, today when we was coming back home, we had made our plans to go see Miss Kim, and we did get to see her. God was right on time. He got us right in time. We got in right on in time, right on time to see it before that they could even ask us to leave. We politely prayed and left. On our way back over here, I had to bring up my jam, which I have not heard yet. Well, it's going to be next. Next is now. <laughs> In this particular jam, it's Toby Mack. He's one of my heroes. And the jam is, if you want to steal my show, and I want you to know that Jesus Christ walked in on service 20, service 21 and said, I'm just going to take over now. What I'm going to require you all to do is just keep up the praise and the worship. Just stand on the sideline. You've, you've, been, you've been defending long enough. It's time for us to go on offense. I'm going to score some points and all you need to do, I, all, all you need to do is just keep on cheering me on. Go ahead. Just keep on. He said, I think if you volunteered to let me steal the show, I believe that that is what I will do. Yeah. 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 Go ahead, yeah. Yeah. Go on. Hallelujah. <laughs> Go ahead. Bring it up. You better shout. You better praise God. You better tell him what you want right here. You better tell him what you're going to do. You better let him steal your show. You better do it right here. You better give it all right here. Remember. Remember. Come on now.
generation to the next things change back in the old day in the old church and in the old way the old saints would have got up and began to tenderly sing as they swayed I surrender all it's a new generation it don't sound like I surrender all it sounds like if you want to steal my show hey so all the world we've done besides damaged children Come on, baby, that's it. There you go. It's picked a new way to surrender. But you see, you can't surrender all until the master's here to surrender to. We've been laboring and laboring and laboring to get to the place. We've seen people saved. That's not the issue. We've seen people healed. That's not the issue. We've seen God prophetically speak to people. That's not the issue. But something happened different today. The manifestation that we've been seeking, we're beginning to see. Amen. 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 I didn't get to hear all of the testimony about this young man this morning. Jason, is it? That uh, just couldn't take a life of sin no more. I believe in every child that gets saved. I believe in every young person that gets saved. I believe in everyone that gets saved. But when a grown man comes to Jesus Christ and then becomes broken. Now I was trying to hear him this morning as he was overcome coming to Jesus. And I said, so you have accepted him as your savior he said no no i've never accepted him as my savior so i said you want to? oh he broke apart and said yes i didn't know that he was a military guy I didn't know he'd been blowed up and tore down and picked up and all kinds of different things but tonight this morning he met the savior in a powerful way I don't know what God's going to do that man. 
He's going to do something awesome with him because of not just how he got saved, but where he got saved. And when he got saved, God has a plan. We've been saying, I want to see manifestation. Friend, there's manifestation. And then, and then I didn't need anymore. I've been jacked up since that moment right there. Right there, I've been jacked up since that moment. Then I got to see Miss Kim. I know everybody ain't seen her. You haven't seen her, but I've seen the difference. I've seen manifestation. I've seen it. So we don't need to say, God, when you're going to manifest it. He is manifesting. It's right now. Something changed. I don't know that we're allowed to call this service 21 anymore. I, I, it might be service numero uno. I know that we may not want to hear that in our physical man. But way down on the inside of me. I hear the Lord saying, so it begins. The enemy has been running the score up on us like the cheating New England Patriots will on any pitiful ball team on any given Sunday. But God has substituted a quarterback for us and I don't care how much we've been getting our butts kicked. It, it changed this morning. We won the toss. We chose to receive. And Jesus Christ has already marched down on the opening possession and scored a touchdown and according to the new league rules, went for two and got it. Amen? And all that's happened tonight, as we found out, we found out that he not only scored a, a touchdown here in Teleco, but he's scoring a touchdown in Miraville. Yes. <laughs> and there are people all over the place in the same condition. He's going to use us to cheer him on. Yes. While he continues to run the score up on the enemy. Amen. Where this revival goes is not up to Jesus. He's always in the revival spirit. He is the revival spirit. What has happened is you have volunteered your hearts to be in revival. Now whatever your hearts desire, he's going to give you. If you wish for it to go on until every last sinner around here gets saved, he'll stay with you. Find a way to compel them to come in and offer them salvation and they can walk to the front just like anybody else did. If you want to stay in this revival till every last cancer victim is healed of their disease and Jesus Christ is declared their healer, you can stay right in that place. We're not defending the goal anymore. We're scoring. Amen. That's what's changed. And you need to remember that we always look at the preacher as though he's the quarterback. But I got to tell you that this morning, whether I preached or anyone else, Jesus decided... I want the ball. Give me the ball. Amen? That's what he's doing right now, starting right now. It is a very, very bittersweet evening for me because I don't want to go home. I, uh, I got a family that I want to see and grandkids who I want to be with and a church that I desperately want to pastor and let them know that I'm still there. 
I've got a son that's preaching in my pulpit right now. I have never heard him since he's come back and stepped back in his place. I really, really, really wanted to be there. But God said, I want you to be here. And I said, okay, Lord, here I am. But if I had my way about it, I'd say, Lord, if you will, I'd stay right here. I just don't want to go because, because I, want to be in, I want to be in this. I don't want to leave this. Not that it's not good at home. Not that God can't do the same thing at home. But he is doing it here right now. I don't have to labor no more. I'm, I'm in the middle of this thing here. It's been a wonderful, wonderful time. But I can tell you this, I won't be going long. I've got three weeks until I leave to go to Guatemala, but if God will help me, Joe and I will be back between then and now because I can't stay away. Not because you need me. I don't even have to stand in the front. I just want to come and be a part of what God is doing just to see what's going on and then to take whatever part that God would give me to do. In this couple of weeks, we've been together. We've been together for a couple of weeks now. We're already doing the unheard of. This is not heard of. This, this don't happen. What we're doing right here. Much crazy people going to church every day, every day, every day, every day, every night. Staying out all kind of hours, wearing yourself out, praying all day long, getting back to church. That's not heard of. Not in today's church. It's unheard of. It's, you just don't do it no more. So we're already in the middle of something that's uncommon and uncanny and unbelievable to most people. You've been in church how, many, how long? How many services? Wow. Never had been about noses or nickels. One soul's worth it, right? Amen. We've seen more than that, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Seen a lot of things take place, so it's kind of bittersweet, and we've gotten the opportunity to uh, get real close with Kim and Bill in, 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 in a way, and uh, to become very close with Brother Will and Miss Casey, and Brother Zach and Miss Marie and Brother Daniel and Miss Callie and Brother Harold and Miss Cheryl and Lacey and Karen and everybody else here, whether it's young Miss Aurora or Brian who have found a new place in the floor before Jesus. <laughs> and uh, I told him today, we may have to be apart by some miles to fulfill our obligations of those things that God would have us to do in our prospective fields of ministry, but we can never let it be this long before that we spend good quality time together. And I will remind all of you people that sometimes forget it. There is a road that goes north from here. There's not just a road that goes south. Although, for you, I'd be willing to travel it every day. So never forget if you get past football season. Because we know you have to be home on the weekends for that. Church doesn't matter, but football season does. The game does. You ever decide to come north, you have a place to come, you have a place to stay, you have a place to be welcome. But we're going to find a way to stay connected closer than we have been. Because God has a plan for us together, not just apart. Amen? I know there are some things that God wants to do yet, some things that God wants to speak yet, and I want the opportunity to, to do those things, to minister those things as the Lord would have us to do so. There's 
been some things that's kind of been waiting from the first time that we came together. God's been brooding and, and dealing with my spirit. And sometimes, you know, uh, God has a time, God's timing is everything. God's timing is everything. And so we need to make sure that we go by his timing. And I don't ever want what we have going on here to quit. My, my labor is, God, how do we stay in this? How do we keep our physical body strong enough and our spiritual man sharp enough to stay in this? Because God would never give it if we couldn't do it. But there's a way to do it. None of us can stand up here and say, okay, we're going to do this for the next three weeks. Because God might want three years. See, he'll never want less than you. You understand what I mean? So one thing that I can tell you is that there has to be a big decision made tonight by the ministers and the people that are involved in this church right now as to how you're going to handle this revival spirit starting tonight. And if I may make a suggestion, I would try it on a night-by-night -night basis to see what God is going to do. Do not let the number of people be your concern. Number has never been an indicator of God's revival. That's man's terminology. The fruits of revival, the heart of the people to be in revival, those are the things that you need to look at. Now, it's not a voting discourse. It's not what do you want to do, how do you want to do it. It's God leading the church through the leaders that says, revival's here and we've got to run with it. And whether that's Sunday to Wednesday, whether that is Sunday morning and Sunday night and then nothing till Wednesday, and then I don't know what God's going to do, but that decision's got to be made tonight before you leave here. And it has to be made by those of you that are going to be here. Those of you that are going to be preaching in it and teaching in it. When you take the pulpit, you better, make, you better understand and make real sure that he's already stolen the show. It's not about me, it's not about you, it's not about anybody else, it's about him. It's not a soapbox, it's not a pet peeve discussing place, it's not a, I'm going to deal with this and deal with that. It's not dealing with the church problems. You start dealing with church problems, you're not having revival no more. It's not taking the soapbox to school, your brother, your minister, your friend, or whatever. It's getting the leading of the Lord and standing behind this desk and ministering to the needs of the people and the community and the atmosphere that is around you. You're speaking as much to demonic forces as you are to people that are in this place. So, preachers, as you mount the pulpit, remember that. This is not ministry school, it's revival. Let's preach. Let's reach. Let's labor. Let's pray. Let's not be concerned whether God wants us to get up and get in the floor and no one gets to preach. That's all right. If that's where God wants you tonight, that's where you need to be. God says shout and praise me and sing all night long, do it. If God says get up and preach like your coattails on fire, do it. Just do whatever God says do because he's in control of the rival. He knows what he needs to do to make the next touchdown, to win the next soul, to heal the next body. So that's what you need to decide, and that's my counsel to you as I get ready to leave here for what it's worth. I tell people all the time, if you don't want to know what I think, don't ask me to come. Because at some point or another, you're going to get what God's telling me to think. You don't like it? Forget about it. Don't pay no attention to it. When you're in trouble later on, I'll pray for you. Whatever it takes. I want to, uh, 
I want to pray tonight. Tell me about, uh, where's, where'd Lacey run off to? Isn't it awful when you sneak out and then they start calling for you? Did they have to leave? I want someone to tell me about this young man. I want to know what was said and what was done after church. Does anybody know? Okay. Mm. When they left the cookout, they were going to buy a brand new Bible. My God. Amen. Ain't that awesome? Amen. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, when this thing started out, I was told he couldn't go, it couldn't win, God wouldn't do nothing. He was all a bunch of Bible-rejecting heretics and off the deep end, and God wouldn't do nothing, wouldn't win no souls, wouldn't heal no bodies, because he can't, because there's sin in the camp. Makes you want to go out. I don't. I don't because I'm not as nasty as people are to me. Makes you want to go out and post on Facebook everything that God has done to this point and said, let God be the judge. Which of us is right here? Jesus doesn't say folk that have never, ever even known him and send them to a church that they don't even have any idea about unless he's in the middle of the place. My, how precious and special you must be that Jesus would entrust to your care a soul for whom he died on the cross. Wow. Isn't that powerful? Okay. I'm going to take just a couple of minutes and pray because what I can do can be done in a couple of minutes. I think. I say that a lot. It never happens that way, but I say that a lot. As far as my perspective, it can be done in a couple of minutes. How long the results last on you, I don't know, but I can do it in a couple of minutes, okay? God is, um, God has put us together for a reason. God's caused this revival to go this way for a reason. He's chosen the instruments that he wanted to be involved for a reason whether it's been me or you or whoever else that it is that's involved and every one of us that are here. He chose us for a reason. Um, he could not have done it with anyone else or he would have done it with someone else. He could not have done it with someone else or he would have done it with someone else. But each one of us have been chosen peculiarly, specifically to be a part of what God has done thus far. And he never throws away what he brings in to use. He just uses it as his will and continues to go forward. So you still have a plan. We still have a place and a purpose. While we may come in and go out and while we may, you know, have to fluctuate and see different things going on, you need to realize that God chose you specifically for this purpose. And, and uh, as we said tonight and so many others said tonight, Brother Will and different ones that we're talking there are so many things that are going to cause us to shout. So many things are going to cause us to rejoice in Him. Uh, you won't be able to hold down the rejoicing. You won't be able to hold back the praise. You won't have to motivate it. You won't have to work it up. There's, there's, there's things that are taking place right now, uh, the likes of which are going to cause you to, to rejoice in Him, and no one will be able to stop you because He's already set it in motion. It can't be stopped now. God is moving. 
He's moving. He's prevailed. There's a prevailing spirit here. His name is magnified here. You got locked up in praise you couldn't get out of tonight. I know that may be common for you sometimes, but there's something different about this. There's a prevailing spirit here. Mightily has grown the word of the Lord and prevailed. See, people said that he couldn't prevail. They thought that we couldn't do anything. They thought that the pastors couldn't do anything. They thought that the ministers of the church couldn't do anything. They thought this church couldn't do anything. They thought I couldn't come in under the conditions of your church and do anything. But what they didn't know was it wasn't me that was doing it anyhow, and it wasn't you, and it wasn't anybody else. It was God that decided to come in and do something. It amazes me how people want to sit back and judge what God's able to do with you. God started it now, and he ain't going to stop it. Now he's going to do it just to be nasty about it, just to prove to there is a same forevermore. I believe that he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, well, in the original cutting uh, covenant, before he improved it, there was a guy named Pharaoh. And he thought he was a God. But he just thought he was. And he caused all the people to think he was a God. But there was a problem. There was a little nation, nation uh, named Israel that... Uh, they had him bondage, and they had a God who was the real God. And so there got to be a contest because, between the guy who thought he was God and the guy who is God. And the Bible says that because Pharaoh kept hardening his heart and not paying attention to Moses, the servant of God, that God would harden Pharaoh's heart and play with him like a cat plays with a mouse before it crunches its head off and eats it. God did things like make the rivers stink with blood. Drink some of that, if you will. He caused lice to crawl upon the ground until everybody there was infested with lice all over the place, except the children of Israel. Where they lived over in Goshen, there wasn't no lice. Everybody else had head lice, body lice, scabies. They were tore up. Wasn't no lice in Goshen. Caused the stink of the frogs to come up on the land, dying everywhere. There was frogs everywhere, except in Goshen. Awesome. There were no frogs in Goshen. Incredible. And every time Moses would go to Pharaoh and say, Thus saith the Lord God, let my people go. What a simple request. Just let him go. He had the power to let him go. Pharaoh would say, Okay, okay, I'm going to let him go. And he'd let him run out. And then he'd go and get him and gather him back. And God would say, Oh, okay, you want to play? Well, I'm going to play with you a little bit. Here's some frogs. Here's some lice. Here's some, you know, locust. Here's some, you know, fiery hail that's going to come down and burn everything up. And then finally, Brother Zach, he hardened their heart. And Pharaoh uttered out of his mouth, I'm going to kill all the firstborn of Israel. God said, Oh, really? Well, y'all don't think you have the power to do that. He said, But I do have the power to kill all the firstborn in Egypt. This is God. This is God that never changes. He still hasn't changed. Thank God for the cross. The cross hasn't changed him, but it prevents him. So, God said, listen, when I send the destroyer through the land so that I can prove once and for all to Pharaoh that he ain't God and I am, there's going to have to be blood. You have to go get you a spotless lamb. It might be a lamb of the first year without spot, without wrinkle, can't have any blemish on it. You've got to close it up a day or two and make sure it ain't got nothing on it. And when you make sure that's a chosen, spotless, white lamb that is a forerunner and a foreshadow of my son that's going to be crucified, he said, you slay that lamb and you put the blood of that lamb on your doorpost 
and on the lintel of the door. And I'm going to send the destroyer in. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Pharaoh said, I'm going to kill all the firstborn of Israel. I'll teach you not to mess with me because I'm Pharaoh. I'm a God. I am, I am, I am a, the son of Ra, the sun god. God said, well, I own the sun. The sun don't have a sun. I'm the only God that has a sun, S-U-N, and he's not there yet. He's coming, though. So I'll take some of the symbol of his blood and put it on my people's door so that in the morning, if the Bible says that the howl and the cry of the Egyptians rose so loud in the night, that it woke the land all around from the howling of the losing of their firstborn children. It wasn't just the firstborn of the children. It was the firstborn cow and the firstborn horse and the firstborn pig and the firstborn goat and the firstborn lamb. Everything that was firstborn in the entire land died because God was proven to Pharaoh that he was not a god. But everybody that had the blood on their doors, death could not touch. Now, I said that to say this. He's the same God. And he doesn't treat you and I like that, but he treats the devil like that. See, we have the protection of the cross, but the devil don't. Okay? So God would do strange things like, hey, I see them coming across the desert in their chariots, and they're gaining on my children Israel. The Bible says that God opened a peephole in the clouds so he could look through, although he knew where they was. And the Bible said that he reached in, and while their chariots were running across the desert, he unscrewed their chariot wheels. Now, is that not a demented God that would toy with people like that, that just let you go run across and wreck your vehicles, just unscrew your wheels while you're going down the road? That's God. That's my God who did that. Where are you going? We're chasing the children of Israel. We've got fine chariots made of gold overlaid with bronze and brass, the finest steeds in the land. Well, that's good, but they're being drugged hard across the desert with no wheels. Why don't they have no wheels? Because God reached in and unscrewed them. He's the same. I'm looking, the devil is driving a chariot today with no wheels. He's chasing your problem, trying to give you a problem. And his fiery, hellish steeds are pulling a heavy chariot flat on its bottom with no wheels because God this morning unscrewed his wheels. And whatever else that the devil goes to do, God will do something to prevent him because that's how God is. No, he's not demented. He just is God. I mean... Imagine him looking around saying, who but me? Thank you, Lord. I don't see nobody but me. He is the only true and living God. He's not on your side, you're on his side. Get that. You're not, he, he's not on your side, you're on his side. He chose you for the team. What are we going to do? Well, you don't have to worry about it. God's got it taken care of. He'll, he'll know what to do. He'll unscrew the chariot wheels when he needs to. If it gets dark where you are, he'll give you a fiery cloud, a pillar by night to follow, and a cloud to follow in the daytime. Whatever it is, he's not going to leave you. He won't forsake you. He's the same. He never changes. He loves his children, and he treats us special. God plays favorites between those that are his and those that are not. You need to understand that. He'll treat you special while he treats the devil real bad right in front of you. Make no mistake about it, there's still a war going on between the two of them. And we're in the middle of that. That's why we have all this mess and sickness and sin and 
garbage that's going on, but God keeps finding a way to move in on our behalf, even if it means unscrewing the chariot wheels of the enemy so they can't catch up to it. Now, I'm going to tell you how stupid the Egyptians are. You've got to read the Bible. You've got to read between the lines sometimes. God unscrewed their chariot wheels. They're driving them hard across the desert with no wheels on them. And you know what those fools did? They stopped and put their wheels back on. I mean, is that not retarded? I mean, you're chasing God's people across the desert. God reaches down and unscrews your wheels until you're dragging bare chariots across the desert. And you don't get afraid of Him enough that you stop, put all your wheels back on, and start chasing the Israelites again. And they chased them all the way down to the Red Sea. Right? Now, now, now they're trying to get to them, but God sends a fire cloud over and stands between His people and the Egyptians, and they're trying to go through it. It's not just a horse and a rider jumping through a fiery hoop. This is an idiot on the back of a, of a chariot with two horses up on the front of it trying to jump through a fiery cloud. Only to go into a, a water that God has piled up on both sides. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's smart. I didn't learn from him when he unscrewed my chariot wheels. I, I didn't learn from him when he put a fire back there so we couldn't go through it. So we'll tell you what we'll do. We just saw the last Israelite run up on the other side of the Red Sea, and they're just this great big huge highway dry right across the Red Sea, and they're just water piled up on both sides. Tell you what I think we'll do. We'll just believe that this God won't touch us here and just charge on across after him. You idiot. And he took the whole army, Pharaoh right in the middle of them, woo, and ran down in to God's trap. And they get close enough to see the other side, they just see a guy dressed in a Hebrew garment, looked like Moses, who he turned away all the time with his stick stuck out over the water. Wonder what that means. He's traffic cop. <laughs> Dead end. Dead end. You go no farther. It gets all of the Egyptian army, all of them, including Pharaoh, out into the middle of it, and Moses goes. <laughs> And the Bible says that the walls of the Red Sea collapsed on the Egyptians and killed every single soldier, including Pharaoh and every horse, and washed the chariots to the bottom. And that day, there was no more Egyptian army or Pharaoh from that point on. In that time, someone asked, because God destroyed them all because they would not stop chasing his children. God's not done whipping the devil on our behalf. He's not done all that we've seen him do in saving this guy this morning and what he's doing with Miss Kim, God's just getting started. I mean, the, I mean, God has set the devil up for huge defeat. And all you and I have to do is obey God and watch what God's going to do as he destroys the army that used to be kicking our backside. Because God hasn't changed. Now he has a champion. His name's not Moses. His name is Jesus. And he's not holding a staff. Jesus is standing on the other side of the Red Sea with a cross. Yeah. 
you want some of this? Is this what you're after? Because all my people are on the other side of this. All of my people on the other side of this. And here's the doorpost and here's the lintel. And my blood, my blood is on that. Now, is that what you, you're still coming after that? You didn't learn from Pharaoh and the Egyptian army? You didn't learn what I would do for those that are coming after my children? Jesus lowered the stick. End of story, end of the road. The walls come down. He stole the show. Stand up, everybody. Stand up. Stand up. Are you okay? You come to church to laugh at people, I see. Well, you're honest as well. I love her. Yes, I did. I'm laughing at people and mocking them. I'm going to do some strange things tonight. <laughs> because God's told me to do them. If you're going to play uh, my songs tonight, make sure you play them nice and low for me. I want them beautiful. There's some things that have happened in this revival, and oh, how I want to be back very soon. Know how I want to see what you will see every day as Miss Kim just gets better and better and better and better and walks out. And I pray that I get to be here that service she walks in. But, but if I don't get to be here, that, that's okay. And all the others are going to walk down your aisle to accept Jesus with tears in their eyes and a broken heart until he makes them whole. So we're going to go on and do those things that God would have us to do until he can bring us back here. But you make sure you tell me about it. I want to know every detail. Because I've invested my life in this. And I'm going to continue to do that. So I want to know. There have been some things that have happened throughout this um, revival service. Some things that have happened in the lives of the youth and some things that have happened in the lives of the adults and different things that are in this, in this house. And uh, I, I, I can only do what God tells me to do, and, and I will do what God tells me to do, whether people like it or not, whether they, they don't like it. Because I believe His Word, and God has a plan, and He has a purpose for everything that He does. And uh, several nights ago, I think it was second or third night that I was here on the last trip that we were here. We had a, a, a moving experience in the church and we were all praying and different things and the Lord had given me a vision and all kinds of things were going on. But anyways, we got up that night and the Lord just kind of fixed my heart on, on Brian and uh, God began to speak to me about his life and Isaiah and, and uh, you know, even, you know, Christian and every, every child. I don't want to miss anybody out. God said, I'm doing something in, in the youth, but there are some specifics that God was speaking about people's lives. And I remember God said, I want you to mantle Brian. I said, God, he's 10 years old. He said, mantle him. Put your mantle on him and impart to him. See, the thing about God's mantles and his ministries, you can impart them and never diminish your own ability or your own calling in God. 
And there are times that I say, God, I want to be able to impart something to somebody. Many times we do that with the laying on of hands. But there is a difference when there's an imparting of a mantle. And I know that Brian doesn't fully understand the things that God is doing in his life and going to do in his life as he gets older. Um, but there's some powerful things, and not just him, but I mean, it's every one of the young people of the church are all part of this great thing that's going on. But then there are those that God calls for a peculiar purpose. And, and I don't want you to ever think that God is honoring one above another because it's not what he's doing. But God does get specific with people about their calling, and it doesn't matter how young that they are. Samuel was taken to Eli when he was just two years old and delivered. And, and, and if God took children as young as two under the original unimproved covenant, I wonder how young he can use them now under the covenant of grace. Do you understand what I'm saying? You need to understand that. If prophetically God could take a child as young as two, have their mother drop them off at the prophet's house and say, it's dedicated to the Lord all of his life, and the child's training begins at two years old in the prophetic, under the old covenant, under the original covenant, how much more powerfully can God use a two-year-old under the new covenant if we would but train them as diligently as we did under the original covenant. Is that powerful or what? It really is. So a child of two years old, or how old are you? Seven years old, and how old are you? You're six years old, and how old are you? Ten years old, and how old are you, Emery? You're this many, you're four. And Isaiah, you're how old? Seven. So, so all of these kids are well within the range to be used of God. Sure. I don't mean nursery rhymes. No. I mean laying hands on people and them being healed. I mean preaching the gospel. I mean speaking in tongues. I mean working in the gifts of the Spirit. And if they're not, it's because we're not training them. Well, you've got to let them be kids. Yeah, you've got to let them be kids, all right. But what do you want them to know? Do you want them to be people of significance? Then train them to be people of significance mm -hmm. <coughs> so God said I want you to take your coat off and I want you to put it on Brian and I want you to mantle him and, and I told you when I left that night I, I felt like Elijah as he left Elisha that day thinking oh my God what have I done to you you know what I'm saying because it's there but you know what <laughs> there's where grace comes in God will take care of him protect him help him they can understand it. You have a great pastor. He's struggling right now. I want you to hear me. You have a great pastor and he's struggling right now. And that's okay. Physically, in the flesh, he has every reason to struggle. God's going to help him spiritually to come out of this. Thank you, Father. But he needs your support. You have a co-pastor in Miss Kim who has been struggling, but her struggle is, my God, the Lord's tuning it up, man. He's taking care of it. He's just moving it. She needs your support. You've done that. You've supported them, and you're going to continue to support them. But the reason I said that is because, um, I don't know if you all know this or not, but I'm your bishop. I don't think I chose you or you chose me, but God chose to 
make it so. I'm not even sure what all that means, but Miss Kim was introducing me to some people the other day, and she said, this is Bishop James Marcus. He's the bishop over our church. And I just kind of got down on the floor and thought, what are you saying? Bill, even in his extended state, said, Bishop, I'm glad you're here. We need you to help take care of some things. And you know, that is a place of honor and humility for me. But I'm saying what I'm saying to you tonight because I'm not standing in the place of your pastor. He alone stands in this pulpit. This is his pulpit. And as he has traveled, he has established an order in this, in this house. And that house order is Miss Kim, who is unable to fulfill her duties right now. And then it falls to Brother Zach and Brother Will and Brother Daniel, as I understand it. And those are the things that pastor has told me that he's done here. And I know that... Pablo Gudger and Brother Harold and all those, those preach, but there has been an order established by pastor. It's not time to talk about order. It's not time to talk about those things, but as Pastor Bill has got to go do the things that he's doing and he's kind of struggling and Miss Kim has, needs the time to refresh and come up and get back, then the order of this church must be maintained. Not legalism, but order. There's a difference. It doesn't mean everybody has to have an important place, but God has established an order. And that order's got to be maintained. And so God told me to mantle the leaders of this church tonight. Different perspective mantlings. Different per perspective mantlings. You must understand what it means when a mantle is transferred. I'm not standing in the place of your pastor. Your pastor's going to do with you what he's done with you. He's imparting to you what he wants to impart to you, but it's the bishop of this house. And when I was there, I intend to make sure the prophetic mantle is imparted. And God spoke to me first about Brother Brian. He said, I, I mantled him first. And God's been holding the word back on you, Brother Zach, the entire revival. He said, I told you the other night, God said, prepare yourself for the word that's going to come tonight. I'm going to mantle you, and I'm going to mantle... Brother Will, I'm going to mantle Brother Daniel tonight because you have different perspective ministries in this house. Pastor Gudger is a pastor. He is standing under his anointing as pastor. Brother Harold is standing under his anointing. If God told me to do something different, I would do that another day we'd receive. And I can't make you do it, but I'm going to tell you that if you will allow it, God's going to mantle you tonight with a prophetic anointing because... In order for you to minister properly into his life, you must share the mantle that he has. In order for this house to move in that dimension, then each of you that God has called, and there's others, listen, I'm not leaving no one out. I know that Brother Jeremy preaches, he's got his place, and he's important. I'm not leaving nobody out, but I can only do what, you know, I could pass my coat around if that's all it was, but it's not about passing my coat. It's about something, it's a symbol of what God is doing in the hearts and lives of people. Because God hasn't changed. Jesus passed his mantle to his disciples and told his disciples to pass the mantle to every successive generation. That's why there's still apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers because it is being passed successively generation to generation. Not a lot is understood about it because people don't spend a lot of time in it. You snatch your call to preach, stand up, Preach a little word. If people like it, that's wonderful. If you go far, you do. If you don't go far, you don't. But, but that's not really the order of ministry that God has established. So tonight, 
I'm going to do my very best to do what God has told us to do as we get ready to move and transition again into something else in this revival. I don't know whether you have in service tomorrow night. I will let these gentlemen say whether you have in service tomorrow night or not. I don't know how far it's going to go. I don't know how well, it's going to go as long as God wants it to go, but I don't know the manner by which God will lead them to do that. I can only be an opinion in that. But I can tell you that what God has begun in these 21 services, uh, and if this is service number one of a transition that God is getting ready to do, then there's going to need to be that mantle, not only of your pastor and, and, and those ministers that are already standing here, not without a mantle of their own, but there also is a reason for God to impart and leave in place a mantle that will carry what he has brought into this revival thus far so that it's never absent. You understand that? That doesn't mean you get to quit calling me to come back. Right? But it does mean that God is doing something different in the house than we've understood or known. Would you receive what God wants to do in your life? You're free to say no. You're free to say, I don't understand it, know enough about it. You're free to say no. But, if you're ready to receive the prophetic mantle that is in upon our life to move in the realms that God would have you to move that you don't even understand yet, then you can receive that. But you've got to be sure because you're taking it lock, stock, and barrel when you receive it. And it's something that you not only have to prepare for as you prepare to receive a word, but it is something that you've got to prepare to move into because there will be a change in your life beginning tonight. And each and every one who will receive that, there will be a change, an unmistakable, immeasurable change that will happen in your life. It's not like mantling a 10-year-old boy who must be taught the mantling mature Christian who's getting ready to step into a new measure and level of ministry. If you're ready to take that on and see God begin to give you the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding to move in that, then we will proceed. But the same as you can say yes, you can say no. Remember, we're volunteering. You have to be careful about volunteering because sometimes things come with it more than you thought when you volunteered. God would never choose it for you if you could not handle it. But it's a serious moment. You have, in the past, had some questions about even the places that you're standing. Even what you know, what you're able to do. What God has said is, I don't see those limitations. Those are things that you see. God's answer is not, I'm going to teach you where you are and continue to take you where you are. I want to elevate you so that I can bring you into a new realm of ministry. If you're willing to stand with that load, it's not a burden you can't bear. It's not even a burden at all. It's a blessing of ministry, but it comes with a level of responsibility that one must be willing to say, I'll stand under that load. I'll do it. There's always a, why don't you let me go home and take care of my father first? The prophet said there's no time for that. God's chosen. But it will be up to you. So how do you feel about that, Zach? 
I anticipated as much. It's not by might. It's not by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Tonight, Father, in the name of Jesus, I obey your command. I follow your vision. As I did with his son, so I do with this man of God. That tonight, there is an impartation of the prophetic mantle that is in my life and ministry upon the life of this young man in the name of Jesus receive of the power of the Holy Spirit. Wear the weight of the ministry. Bear the weight of the prophetic. Come up in the wisdom of the supernatural. Prepare. Prepare yourself to receive of the wisdom of the Most High God. The ability to know when others do not know. The ability to see when others cannot see. The ability to speak when no one else has a voice. The ability to stand strong in the midst of the fire and say, Thus saith the Lord, to stand in the middle of the word of God and to turn neither to the right hand nor to the left. But in the name of Jesus, I speak upon you the prophetic mantle of God that has been placed in my life and upon my life. I do not know all of the reasons, but I do obey the Lord. In the name of Jesus, receive. In the name of Jesus. Brother Will, come here. I know you were administering correction to your child, at least I believe that's what you were doing, or perhaps taking to the bathroom, whichever need to be done. I'm sure that's proper and necessary, but you have a powerful dad. He doesn't even understand the power he has with God. If he would ever quit selling himself short, I can't imagine what God would do with him. But he will. Watch to minister to him this morning. There is nobody that I know, nobody that I know, that he has received from except you this morning. I don't even know what you said to him. Don't want to know. Don't care. But I saw you open a heart that not even God has opened. There's power in you. I've watched you mature. Even in these weeks that we've been together in ways that you can't even imagine that you've matured. And God is about ready to open up on you a mantle that is beyond what you have had. It's not a mantle that supersedes your dad's mantle, but it is a different mantle. I told you many years ago when we met that God had a prophetic move for your life. I didn't go into all of the baloney about you're going to dance before the world and dance before the nations and all those things that cause people to grin and giggle. I simply told you years ago in a cabin that God had called you to be a prophet of God and have a prophetic 
working in your life and a prophetic mantle in your life. And he'll work with your dancing, he'll work with your word, and he'll work with all those things. Give me my coat. But God's about ready to bring to fulfillment tonight the prophetic word that was brought to you many years ago, if you're willing to receive that. Now I'm going to tell you all, this is just my coat. You can't have it. It's mine. I'm taking it home with me. But it does symbolize the mantle of God. More importantly, Satan has to see it. What you're doing tonight, those that are being mantled, is stepping into the arena where the devil has to say, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know, but who are you? He's adding your name to his list. I know that people don't understand that, and some people even get jealous about it because, what about me? What about me? Well, when God wants to do that, he will. This is what he said to do before that I leave here. Oh, and I'm coming back. But there will be a connection between us, all of us, and your pastor. One of these days, he don't know that he's going to wear this coat. Yeah. Just as soon as I can get all of the things that gather in the material of my coat out, he's going to wear it. God has plans for him. Because there's something going on between all of us. Okay? But if you're willing to walk in what you've seen and you said about yourself, no good, I can't do that, I can't do this, I'm not able. What I've heard God say to you young men is, I don't want to hear that no more. And instead of trying to teach you anymore right where you are, he's going to elevate you up and bring you in a place beyond what you thought you could be. It's not about what you think. It's about what he says. Jesus pulled that in the garden. I don't know if I can do it. But God strengthened him. He said, oh, you can do it or you wouldn't be here. So tonight, my brother, God, in the name of Jesus, as I prepare, Lord, to lay this code and symbolism of the mantle, the prophetic mantle, God, that you have placed upon my life, I believe, God, with everything that I have, that I am obeying your word. I place the mantle of the prophetic that is in my life and in my ministry upon Brother Will Dyer. And in the name of Jesus, I speak that you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I speak that he have the wisdom of the ancient of days and the knowledge of the Word of God in a measure that he has not known an ability and a vision to see the things that he has not seen before. I pray, God, for these men, Lord, that you mantle tonight, that they have an ability to articulate and convey to the people of God in a way, Lord, that they have never known before, an ability to articulate and convey to the people of God with clarity and direction and power and the prophetic, the word of the living God that is able to save their souls. God, they would teach others to do likewise. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come here, Brother Daniel. And you probably, more importantly than the others, because you've had the biggest problem of seeing others higher than yourself or more adept or called to something more than you're called to. 
That's not true. You're as called, you're as anointed, you're as able, you're as wise to stand on the level that you've stood. But, but if you think that in your heart, that's what you'll be. So I heard God tell you to change how you think in your heart about yourself and to accept who he's called you to be. Now your mantling is going to be somewhat different tonight than the others. Um, I want you to take that coat off him, Brother Jeremy. The other night when we were mantling at the direction of the Lord, Brother Brian, Brother Isaiah was standing there and he was seeking after the great things of God. He was wanting to feel and experience and see the things that God was doing. There's a difference in the level of the anointing and the mantling. And as he was standing there, God said to, to mantle Brian, and he said, I want you to mantle Isaiah, I want you to mantle him differently. And I want you to hear this. A mantle of teaching and a mantle of impartation um, is a, a mantle of consistency whereby knowledge of God is passed unto people, particularly unto leaders. But there is a mantle of action. And when the prophets desired to do something of action or notability, they took their mantle off and they wrapped their mantle together. And they would use it thus when Elijah smote the waters and he and Elisha passed over and the mantle of Elijah fell from the chariot that, and from Elijah as the chariot took him to heaven or the whirlwind that took him to heaven, um, the mantle fell and the testing of the mantle was not teaching in the school of the prophets but the first thing that he had to do was wrap the mantle together and he cried out, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he smote the waters and the waters parted hither and thither. I did not say that the other night because Isaiah's going to look at me and think, okay, what am I doing in college? But one of these days, someone will make me understand it, and God said, wrap your mantle together and later in his neck, and that's what I did. I don't know how many people noticed that. And uh, the reason is not that there's a difference in the mantling, but a difference in the level of the impartation, not as greater or lesser but in its ability to act. Because that you have had the uh, belief in yourself that you could not be where everyone else is or did not see yourself there, God said it's because that I've made you a, a prophet of action. One that's going to have the ability to not just see, but an ability to act. And when you act, the notable things of God will be known. It's not greater or lesser. It's simply a difference in the tool in the hand of God. Are you ready to be God's man of action? You're ready to change the way you think about yourself? Are you ready to receive a mantling from God that will help you to do it? And in the name of Jesus, as I laid my hands upon your son, so I lay my hands upon you to be the man of God, the prophet of God, of action. In the name of Jesus. Let the power and the wisdom and the anointing of God be imparted into your living soul, to your spirit and to your body. 
these three, Lord, tonight that you have mantled in this house to carry the weight, let it not be withstood by any, but let it be agreed to and cooperated with and moved so that the mantle react against the enemy and not against any that would stand in the way of the direction and the power of God. Let it be understood among the people that what God has done is not a favoritism, oh, but a burden and an anointing and a power and a yoking together with the Holy Spirit to accomplish the work that must be done in this revival and in this work and in this land that originates from this place in the name of Jesus. So let it be so. And so God, we have imparted of our ministry according to your word and according to your will. Let the things that are known be known now and the things that you will teach and that are to be known, let them be known by the power and the anointing and the timing of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. I want to see Papa Gudger. I want to see Brother Harold. I want to see Brother Jeremy. First of all, you guys are blessed with amazing talent, amazing anointing. There's enough weapons in this house to slay hell on a regular basis, and I see that you do most of the time. Um, it's not a hierarchical order that's being set up. There's simply the will and the notion of God. I've heard what you all have preached in revival, and each time that you've stepped up to the plate to preach, and of course, your years and wisdom go without saying. I mean, my God, you've pastored all over the place and you've known success everywhere that you are. And you're able to bring your wisdom here and your knowledge, not only in the ministry, but as family. And there is probably some blood between you and most of the people in this church. Let it be inner blood, not outer blood. Yeah. The same way with Brother Harold. You guys have a place that's unique and powerful in this church. You lead the church in a powerful way. You speak into the lives of people. And as, as to you, Luke, and as to you, Jeremy, you all have your own places. And, and uh, there were more, and there will be more. But the leadership and the teaching of this church rest upon your shoulders. The pastoral ministry of the church, that's where you're functioning. That's where you're functioning. That's where your callings are in pastoral ministry. There is a difference. And though there is pastoral ministry and the others that we're talking about, there is a difference in the abilities and the things that God's going to do that are there, but the pastoral functions of the church as far as teaching and ministering and elevating the people and, and, and bringing them higher, that, that falls to every preacher that stands behind uh, the desk. Now, you know, it's easy to receive when someone just up preaching and screaming and shouting and getting somebody saved and all that kind of stuff. It's much different when God begins to deal uh, in, in measures in the house. But you see, in order for this house to stand, in order for this revival to play, God could have went up to the river and did this if he wanted to. And they're going to do whatever they want to do. He could have went down the street to the Baptist church and did this if that's what he wanted to do. But for some reason, he's chosen 
Monroe County Christian Center right here in beautiful Teleco Plains, Tennessee. And he chose you all to be here. It's not just because you're family or whatever. You're here. You're part of this revival. You're part of what God's doing. And this house is crucial to that. And I think we all know what the devil's been trying to do there. But again, God has intervened. So these new converts that are coming in, like this guy who says, hey, listen, I'm going to be here every Sunday morning. There has to be continuity of ministry here. There has to be a complete unity and oneness of the ministry of this house. Completely. Or we can't teach the converts that come in. This, this, this Jason is not first. And there are two others. I'd like to see them back. They're young people. They're a little more flighty. You know, I don't know what's going on with them, but they'll be back because God did something in their life. And there's other people that God's ministered to. But that young man back there this morning and his fiance that's with him and all that, that that's a big marker. And how we shouted that he saved. Papa God, you got teaching. Jeremy, Harold, Luke, Will, Daniel, Zach, you got to teach them. They got to be taught right. And there could be no variance between you all. I'm not talking to you because there is. I'm telling you how crucial. This revival's changed everything. This is not the same church it was 20 services ago. It's not the same. The devil wants to keep bringing back what you were 20 services ago and want you to deal with it. It's gone. That's gone. Gone. There'll be things crop up with pastor and things crop up with Kim and all that. And the devil wants to take you, but no, 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 no. You can't go back. You have the wisdom to stand because you've got experience. You understand. But I am getting ready to go so I can come back again. And I need you to know that you guys have got to maintain the unity of this house. Because if there gets to be any diversity at all, the people that get saved will stay. And the people that have been here will find a reason to go. We will never, ever, ever go beyond our leadership. And there has to be one word coming from you. <coughs> so I'm going to lay my hands on you as you lay hands on one another. As all of you lay hands on one another. We're going to ask God for perfect unity in this house. Listen to me, not because there's not already unity, but there's going to have to be a different level of unity. There's going to be new things that are coming, new things going to have to be dealt with. And it's not so you guys can get together and have an old-fashioned ba old Baptist board fight. I want to say again, there's not room down here for a cemetery. Okay? Should never be that, should there? Should never be that. I believe that what God shows to one, He'll show you all. What God puts in the heart of one, He'll put in the heart of everybody. So that there will be unity to go forward. Because at the first point of division, God is no longer involved. Would you lay hands on one another? Just take one another's hands. and <coughs> Father, so I come right now, Lord, and I lay my hands, God, upon these pastors. I realize, God, in the name of Jesus, that they have great wisdom. God, I'm sure in areas, Lord, of their life, they have far more wisdom than I have. But God, I impart tonight to them those areas, God, of our life and of my life, Lord, that you would choose 
to bind them together with cords of love. Father, as they lay hands on one another, as they seek, God, your face for one another, Lord, as they desire, God, for one another, let them have perfect unity because I know that the enemy would love nothing more than to try to derail what you have done, God, in these services. But God, these men are too wise. They understand and they see the workings of the enemy. Tonight, God, we impart the power and the wisdom and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in their life that they might hear only your voice, that no other voice would outshine your voice, that no other voice would come after your voice, that no other voice would come to, to, to outsound your voice, but they would hear only the voice of the Lord. And I commission them tonight. As they lay hands on one another, we lift up Pastor Bill and Pastor Kim tonight, God. We undergird them. We understand, Lord, the struggles that are there. God, they are not diminished in our sight. They are not less in our sight. No, we hold them higher. We call out their name. We bind ourselves together that they are helped tonight, that they are blessed tonight, that they can step into the platforms that will be built by these ministers as you lead by vision this church and be able to operate and cooperate with the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask it tonight and believe it and receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Is there anybody that needs prayer tonight? Christian? Mr. Christian? Any prayer about? You want the baptism of the Holy Ghost? You want to speak in tongues? <laughs> Do you believe that you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that Jesus will let you speak in tongues tonight? He'll flow right up out of your belly, right up through your mouth. Do you believe he'll do that? Do you know how easy it is to receive the Holy Ghost? You take your hands out of the pockets just like that. See how you did? Take them out, out, out. Good job. Whenever I get ready to lay my hands on you, I want you to lift your hands up. And I want you to just begin to speak. I want you to begin to praise the Lord, okay? And you're going to begin to hear sounds come out of your mouth. You're going to think, wow, is that me? Yeah, that's the Holy Ghost coming through you, okay? Do you believe he'll baptize you in the Holy Ghost? Do you know what it means when Jesus baptized you in the Holy Ghost? It means that the Holy Ghost comes down and lives in your heart. He's there when you got saved. But when you get the baptism, he begins to come up out of you so that you can pray for people and and deal with people. You're a good man. Do you believe that you can speak in tongues? Then I want you to do it right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Father. Jesus baptized Christian right now in the name of Jesus. Father, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water in the name of Jesus. Just speak. Just speak. Just praise the Lord. Just open your mouth. And let the Holy Spirit flow through you in the name of Jesus. Oh, <laughs> Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. Praise Him. Christian, praise Him. Lift up your voice and say, Praise the Lord. There's going to be sounds. Go ahead. That's it. No, don't be afraid. 
That's the Holy Spirit. God, in the name of Jesus, fill him right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, to the overflow, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, come on, come here, come here, stand up, come here. Come on, come on. Say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's it. If you lift up your voice like that and say praise the Lord, worship Him, He'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit. See, I know that you're feeling the Holy Ghost and it's hard to, fit, to speak in tongues when you get slayed out in the Spirit. It's hard to do that. And what you're doing right now is the Lord's, you know, dealing with your heart and your life in the name of Jesus, God, because He needs you. Because, Lord, there's a desire in His heart. Let your Holy Spirit begin to flow through Him in the name of Jesus. As He begins to praise you, Lord, and worship you, Lord. Let the sounds of glory, the tongues of glory come up out of this vessel in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Christian, receive ye the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Don't be afraid to speak, son. Don't be afraid to let those sounds out. You hear sounds in your ears. You hear sounds inside your belly. Your sounds inside your chest. Speak them out. It doesn't matter how they sound. It doesn't matter. That's the Holy Spirit. Just let him speak through you. Just go ahead and do it. That's Jesus. Go ahead. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Receive you the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Do you feel Him? Then praise Him. Just let Him take you in Jesus' name. God, in the name of Jesus. You all need to keep praying with lads like this. He's going to start a hunger for the Holy Ghost in this house. And if he comes running in your bedroom tonight, be listening. Mm. Anyone else, any other needs before that we... Anyone else? Any other needs tonight? Who's going to take care of the end of this? Is that going to be you? Are you guys made a decision? Do you know what you're going to do? Huh? Might be good to speak so that we can pass it to everybody else. Or if you have some other plan, we won't interfere with that. Huddle up. Come on, huddle. Get in here, guys. Let's go. Huddle up. Here we go. Blue 69, double dig on two, on two. Stay right here till they're done. Thank you, Lord.